AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Learn more at atlona.com. Swedish uh, fashion brand Asket has launched a new quote-unquote impact receipt feature. When customers receive their order, they'll also get a breakdown of its carbon emissions, water consumption, and energy usage. That means Joel and I would have gotten how much our Robert Graham shirts cost when it comes to the water <laughs> to produce it and the electricity to produce it. And the brightness of these shirts means there's a lot of electricity. I just want to point that out. You wearing that for a bit? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Giving AV users greater visibility on the impact of their purchases, a view of diversity in IT and AV teams, and an update on the supply chain issues, all that and more, next on AV Week. This is AV Week, episode 638, recorded Friday, November 10th, 2023, ESG in AV. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, Willie Franklin, higher ed AV icon and extraordinary. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here as always. All right. Good to see you. Also with us is Adeline Tatum. Adeline is from USC. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, Tim. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me on another week of AV Week. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and last but not least, Joel Carroll, fashion consultant, and also he works for Immersive Technologies. Welcome, sir. <laughs> good. To Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. And you're dressed well uh, today. Thank I'm, you. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. So if, if you're not watching the video... Uh, I am wearing what's called a Robert Graham shirt. So is Mr. Carroll. And the reason I'm wearing a Robert Graham shirt is because of Mr. Carroll. He, he kept... We actually bought these shirts together at the same time. We did. Actually. We did. At Infocom, no less. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can talk about uh, my horrible fashion choices later. Uh, from AV Magazine, Extron CEO has announced that the company has overcome the supply chain issues that have plagued it over the last year. In an interview uh, on Thursday with AV Magazine, Extron Chief Executive John Smith revealed that significant improvements to the company's supply chain meant it can now meet customer demand for its audiovisual products. He explained that Extron has diversified its supplier base and increased stock levels, enabling the firm to resolve the shipment delays and product shortages that have frustrated clients. News will, will come, of course, as relief to Extron's customers and end users across the country and around the world who have faced extended wait times for essential equipment, not just from Extron, but also from other manufacturers. Uh, Extron, of course, is a sponsor of Aviation. Uh, uh, Joel, I'm going to start with you on this because you are the um, you are our manufacturer on this panel. Um, when you look at, at some of the stuff that, that the CEO of Extron said, one of the things that, that caught my ear was the diversification of its supplier base. When you're looking at it from a manufacturer standpoint, and, and Joel's in sales, he's not in, in product development, but certainly he's, he's, he's involved in some of this. How will the, the, the pandemic supply chain issues continue or, or, or impact or change how AV manufacturing looks and feels and, and works going forward? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Tim, because I actually... Um... I think it goes beyond the pandemic for sure. I think it has to do also with uh, social issues that are currently going on with, you know, China and some of the other issues that we see currently going on with, you know, unrest in the Middle East. Um, if, if we continued on that path, 
a pandemic alone is not going to be what's restricting our chips, our boards, our components, all of the things that we need in order to make these products. So although something might be assembled, let's say in a Taiwan, some of the chips that are going into that device are being provided by suppliers from a whole bunch of other regions, you know, maybe China, depending on the manufacturer, or, you know, wherever the case may be. So I don't think it's single sourced issue of pandemic. I think it's, we have to, as a manufacturer, look to find where are devices, where are chips, where are components that can be sourced. One, responsibly, we have to start looking at that now. Two, with security in mind, we have to start paying a lot more attention to that as of late. And then three, to make sure it's a chip that's going to be around for a period of time. So in Extron's case and others, all of us are looking at this from a, more of a holistic approach of, all right, we've got this board, we're ready to rock, we can do this forever. We've got to go more to the component level. That chip's going to be around for how long? Do I have to buy a whole bunch of stock from that company and it's sitting on the shelf and I'm hanging on to that stock of that chip just in case? And those are the things I know a lot of the manufacturers are, are paying more attention to as we're coming out with new products and looking at new technology. So it's, yeah. it's I think, giving us an opportunity to be more responsible in how we source those chips versus you know, always making the assumption that that company is always going to be there and that company is always going to be able to provide that, that component for us. Yeah, absolutely. One quick uh, definition or, or, or going down, uh, defining a little bit what Joel was talking about. When you look at the Middle East and specifically the, the Israel-Palestine conflict, folks may not realize that we have significant HD, um, uh, AV manufacturers within Israel. You have HD-based T-Valens. You have uh, Excite, you've got Kramer, you have a number of other manufacturing corporation headquarters that are right there within the middle of that conflict. So certainly not only, uh, you know, our, 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 our thoughts and our you know, prayers, if that's what you do with them, but also that conflict will certainly have a spillover effect to the rest of the industry. Mm-hmm. Willie, when you look at, at adjusting and, and changing how we procure chips, how we procure boards, how we... You know, the globalization, which 200 years ago was a fantastic thing, and getting spices from point A to point B, right? Or, you know, in the U.S., exporting McDonald's to places, other, you know, Coca-Cola around the world. Now, technology in general, the technology industry in general, and the people who use it are looking at it as maybe not necessarily a great thing because now if there's an issue in China, then suddenly, you know, um, then suddenly, you know, our, our work has stalled or, you know, a project has, has stalled or we can't do what we want. How is this, this kind of ever-changing globalization impacting and having an effect on the customer? Tim, that is a great question. And kudos to Joel highlighting some key points in uh, with this topic. Uh, for me, a couple of key things that I've been looking at and doing a bit of research on, um, you know, the... Iran, sorry, Ukraine and Russia conflict. Yeah. Uh, you know, often we don't think about trade routes. Uh, so the trade routes as a result of the war due to Russian sanctions have gotten a lot longer for some of those big shippers. And if it gets longer, that means it's going to take longer time for that product to get there. Um, to leverage that, some companies are buying as much as they can so that you begin stockpiling those resources when one thinks about 
what Exron has done. Uh, in the September issue of Harvard, Harvard Business Review, one of their highlighted stories was gluttony, if you will. Uh, there are manufacturers, there are warehouses that are bulging at the seams with overstock uh, because, again, trade routes have been impacted. Capacities at ports have been impacted. Uh, shipping containers, uh, we're seeing a shortage in shipping containers. And, of course, ordering new shipping vessels is also another challenge. So there are so many facets to all of this beyond the chip manufacturing, beyond the security aspect of it. Um, it's an ever-changing landscape out there, and we really don't know uh, what we'll be dealing with a couple of years from now. But the manufacturing industry, the purchasing industry, is doing all that they can, kind of leveraging the future with their actions now. And, and that's nothing unusual. We see that all the time in, in a multitude of industries. So um, it's it's been interesting to watch. It's been very informative to look at some of those granular details. Um, again, such as shipping containers, uh, trade routes, uh, the chip manufacturing alone, and the warehousing of supplies. Adeline, uh, you are the closest to the the classroom uh, on this call. So, what are you still seeing? Where are, you know where where are you still seeing? You know, maybe not shortages like we had in the midst of the pandemic, but certainly delays when it comes to getting certain projects done because of one or two uh, key components. Yeah, that's a good point. And thank both, um, thanks, Jewel and Willie. You guys pointed out some great points and things that I think we haven't considered and we need to consider. Um, in the classroom, however, we're crushed on. Um, so for us, it's more like if a UC engine goes down, we're still having a little bit of um, supply issue with getting that like promptly we have to add what we've been doing is we have been forward thinking and ordering more in advance which is just because of the supply chain issue um that is one of our big things that we are strongly trying to make sure that we never out of stock a uc engine <laughs> we could definitely substitute everything else but that one is huge for especially at USC. Well, it is interesting, Adeline. You were talking. You, you, what you're doing is exactly what Willie was talking about, which is stocking, right? And it, it goes in, in the face of a couple of different manufacturing and deployment philosophies. One is called just in time, right? You order it just in time for you to do it. And what I'm hearing from a number of integrators as well as manufacturers is that is going by the wayside in certain segments because of the fear, because of the experience that we all had going through 2020 and the pandemic. Uh, that means possibly, and I'm, I'm not a real estate expert, uh, certainly not a, a commercial real estate expert, that means that warehousing will go up, right? And, and the cost of warehousing will go up because the demand will go up. So we shall see. From a relatively new website uh, that I've discovered here in the last month or so, Design Boom, Fantastic website just to go because the pictures on it are gorgeous. Let's start there. All right. <laughs> go there just to enjoy yourself. You, you can yell at me for waste for wasting half an hour of your time later. But the, the, the story here is Swedish uh, fashion brand Asket has launched a new quote unquote impact receipt feature to increase transparency around the environmental cost of its clothing. I'll get to the AV part here in a second, kids. When customers receive their order, they'll also get a breakdown of its carbon emissions, 
water consumption, and energy usage. That means Joel and I would have gotten how much our Robert Graham shirts cost when it comes to the water to produce it and the, and the electricity to produce it. And the brightness of these shirts means it's a lot of electricity. I just want to point that out. ASCIT calculated the figures by tracing the full lifestyle of each garment from raw materials to furnished, finished product. Company hopes the receipts will encourage more sustainable consumer choices by revealing the hidden impact of fashion items. Willie and Adeline, we're going to start with you guys. Uh, one of the biggest areas of ESG, and ESG is environmental sustainability and governance. It's, it's something that corporations are pushing on, pushing manufacturers on. It's something that higher education, college and universities are pushing on. What could be accomplished in AV by doing something very similar on a purchase order, on an invoice, on a, on a shipping uh, list? Willie, first, first to you, what could be accomplished if your local AV integrator gave you not only here's the display and here's the switcher for your thing, but here's all the environmental impact receipt. Ah, oh gosh. For me and my experiences, uh, what would be gain and indeed what was gain was more purchasing power through our budgeting office. Uh, bottom line, uh, when we migrated from lamp-based projectors uh, to laser, there was a night and day difference on recognizing the energy to be saved. When we have the opportunity to program on and off times, uh, whether it's a user interface or something that's built into the chip, a night and day difference on energy consumption. So at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, we could share raw data with our business managers and indeed our facilities office. And what we gain was a, a grander sense of respect uh, that we were actually watching the university's dollars, that we weren't just watching the glitzy new things that were hitting the market. Um, so to have that information up front is very, very beneficial. Really quickly, Willie, what time frame what year were, were you moving to laser oh gosh uh we started migrating to laser uh five years ago um just okay. um just when the pandemic was beginning to think about making an appearance if you will okay so here, here the reason i ask that is because that the, the laser projectors and this is this is in the back of tim's brain guys so so this is by my memory don't don't take this to the bank but that lasers were still a bit more expensive than lamp right? We're talking 2015 here, 2016, still a bit more expensive than, than the lamp-based projectors. So what Willie's saying is he had to make that case, right? Where the total cost of ownership, which we've talked about for years, total cost of ownership of those devices was less because of the energy consumption. Uh, and quite frankly, because of the consumables, there were no lamps, there are no lamps um, or bulbs as my dad still calls them. Um, Adeline, same kind of question to you. US, USC is one of the first members, I think the first higher education member of SAVE, S-A-V-E. If you're not familiar with them, hit me up, uh, Tim at aviation.tv. I'll introduce you to Kelly Perkins. Um, certainly, USC is, is concerned with environmental uh, concerns. What would a receipt like this look like and do for you as somebody who is in charge of you know maintaining these spaces? So being a SAVE certified, um, campus and also we have our first sustainable hub and a uh, um, course I think it's a course or a program that the president recently launched it's very very important for us at USC to be able to see all these different components that is affecting our world our earth um, 
so that moving forward, we will know how to minimize and maybe substitute for more healthier decisions, I like to say. I feel like we don't do the critical reflection part of thinking about our world and the earth and what we're doing outside of being selfish of we want this to work this way. Faculty want it to be like this. Instead of educating faculty that it may take us a 30 minutes longer session, but we're preserving our world. So as an educator, these things are very, for me, like to the heart that I just be like a, making a, people more aware and fostering that would help to ensure that we are doing our part on the AV side of helping to save Joel, you've got a difficult question here because you're the guy making these things. Uh, you know, when you're you're talking to clients, right? You know, and what sort of, of clientele I, would you think would be most impacted by having this knowledge? Right? Is it corporate? Is it higher ed? And then how can you, as a manufacturer, help them realize some of their ESG goals? Well, you know, I. I think it's kind of across the board. I can't, I don't think Tim and I can pinpoint and say it's this type of client or that type of client. Like if I'm looking at maybe small, medium business size, you know, dentist office, things like that, they're probably not worried about it as much because their impact isn't huge or, you know, due to budget, it's just not something they're thinking about. But if we're looking at new buildings, um, educational institutions, large facilities as a whole starts to have a greater impact, starts to be something that's more important. So I can't really pick one industry more than the other. I would love to say our government. However, we all know that that probably is not uh, the place that they're that worried about, about that type of stuff. Um, what's interesting is that the question that you posed, um, what we could do as manufacturers is be responsible and talk to people about, have you thought about the economic impact or the, uh, the environmental impact of, of the choices you're making, the products you're using, where are they coming from? Um, Electronics are made at all places across the globe, right? And some people have very stringent guidelines on what you do as far as water uh, reclamation and everything else. And other ones, I mean, we've saw the photos on the internet where, you know, there's a factory pipe and people are pulling their water, you know, from a river. And depending on where you decide to actually source your components, source your product and how it's built, that's going to have an impact on the environment as well. So, to me, if we as manufacturers, and I'm not saying we're going to do this as a whole, but if we did this as a manufacturer group, we start to get a bit of a, uh, a, a leg up on our competition at times, yeah. right? I can say, well, company X, look what they're doing. Look at their impact compared to look at us. So now if you start looking at dollars and cents, you can start to see, look, the economic impact or the, uh, the environmental impact of this product is less. Yeah, it is more money because of that. But when you're over here, look what you're also doing to the cost of the environment and everything else that's there. So I, it's an interesting thought, um, especially when you're looking at building the hardware itself. Well, and so a number of years ago, our, our, our dear friend Bradford Ben uh, worked for a manufacturer, a multinational corporation. And, and this is back when I was a tech manager. He looked at me, he said, you are the most important person in this meeting right now, because I was an end user there and I was the only end user. And I'm like, that that's ridiculous, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a customer, right? He goes, no, no, no. He said, your decisions will impact everything that everybody else in this room does. Uh, and we were talking about VGA connectors, right? And this is the early 2010s when the, the analog sunset was happening. 
And I said, no, I said, that's, that's really, he goes, no, no. He goes, the decisions that you make and the reasons that you make it drive everybody else. He said, we're all coin operated in some way, shape or form. So if a corporate, if, if a corporation, if a, if a te tech manager says, you know what, I'm going to pay 1% more. I'm going to pay a hundred dollars more for this device because of the environmental impact, the negative impact I, I would, I would be encouraging by going the cheaper route then yeah, that will eventually drive change, right? So if it is something mm -hmm. that you and your campus or is something that you and your, your company is, is, is concerned with, then certainly, right? You're not gonna get a receipt like, like these four folks at Esket, at least not yet, but you know, having those conversations with your vendors, with the manufacturing partners that you have a uh, relationship with is very important. To add to that, um, like Jewel said, it's like all about educating people. Mm -hmm. So that's a big thing, I think, that's not really being publicized. Like, I wish the politicians would think about learning and development and educating people the way they promote their campaigns. I feel like it could take another level for us to all realize how important preserving and taking care of our Earth is. Absolutely. Final uh, story actually comes to us from Adeline Tatum. Uh, she wrote a piece for us at AB Nation about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, being the sole BIPOC woman in her team at USC. Uh, I'm going to synopsize this. I am not going to say what Adeline says, but we're going to start with her on this. Uh, Adeline highlights the, the value of diversity and, and representation in the IT and AV fields, something she says we should celebrate. Uh, we should also, uh, she also went on to encourage others who are in diversity groups to not only foster a, a supportive community, uh, continue with persistence, but also not be hesitant to highlight your achievements, which I thought was incredibly, incredibly thoughtful. Adeline, start with you on this. Um, if you're talking to somebody, right, and, and, and let's be frank here, kids, Joel and I are, 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 are old white guys, right? Willie is, is a guy, but he has been, he's a member of, of uh, a diverse community and Adeline certainly being a woman uh, and, and a person of color. When you're talking to your coworkers, if you could talk to either your coworkers or my coworkers, how would you, how would you suggest to them that they support the team members on, that, that they, how would they support their team members who are in a diversity group? What a powerful question and fully loaded. Um, for me, what I normally would do is being the only um, BIPAC woman on our team, I always take a step back, give space, and allow for people to say what they want to say. Once they're finished saying, in that process, I'm reflecting. So I don't come off as like I'm giving an attack, but I'm fostering the fact that I am right here sitting and I'm a diverse woman in the ITAV industry. So I would love for my voice to be heard. So can you give me some space on the table and also take what I said up to higher levels, like in senior leadership, not just let it stay here in this conversation, yeah. like let me, my voice be heard. So I always say to our team, I wish that sometime my voice and what I've stated could go up a little higher. Let them make the final decision. You don't cut it off here. Oh, because she's a part of the team. So let her talk. We know she's going to want to talk. No, my part is, and what I feel shows representation is when you as a leader go into that room and said, guess what? 
Even if you want to say, I did not this, I did not agree with what Adeline said, but I want to bring it to you guys because it might be valuable in some part of this conversation. That that's what I always say. And I must say, my team and I have grown. We've grown and we have definitely been channeling through the including a woman, a minority person voice. Um, in certain decisions. Very cool. Joel, I'll, I'll come with you on this one. You know, when you look either internally to the team at MRSA, but also externally, what, what can those outside of organization do uh, to encourage that organization to make sure that they include, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and make they make it a, a priority? We actually, it's a good question, Tim. At MRSA themselves, we actually have a group of people that that is kind of their role, right? I mean, it's a group of people have gotten together. It's not their main job, but it's, it's really important to them to ensure that internally immersive that we can provide support for, you know, a diverse group of people that we have. Um, we are a very diverse group. It's probably one of the most diverse groups of people, not just my team, but just within immersive across all sorts of, of different diversity and inclusion type of uh, scenarios that you could, they could think of. Um, I'm blessed for that because it's given me opportunities I not would have had anywhere else. Right. So it's those one on one conversations. I've never would have had of a person of that, you know, specific orientation or of that belief. Um, but with our company, it's absolutely key and critical that the culture of people that we hire believe in it, foster it and grow that. So to Adeline's point, when we have meetings, um, really, to me, everybody has 100 percent equal footing at the table. You know, regardless if you're with one of our guys in the back that are just, you know, not just, but they're stocking our boxes or our CFO or whatever. When we all meet and we have our town halls, everybody has the ability to talk to CEO directly. Everybody has the equal opportunity to specifically say what they need or, or express concern. And we take that to heart in the leadership. Um, and again, I feel very blessed by that. And it's, I think from here, you know, if people came to Mercer, they'd have that opportunity to take what we're doing internally and bring it other places. Um, and I'm proud of that. I really am proud about that with, with the company that we've had. Uh, and Erica's been part of that with, with being on part of the, the team there. Um, from an outside perspective, it's just taking that, I think taking that representation of what I have internally and using it everywhere else I go, my meetings with our companies, everybody else, so they can see through me what my company does, right? And believe yeah. what my company does through how I act in, in other uh, environments as well. Willie, uh, we'll wrap up with you. You had uh, a very long and storied career. So give me your perspective here from, you know, uh, not, not just higher education, but somebody who, who has been a member of, of, my, of my, a minority in higher education. You know, what, what would you say to those folks either in higher education, in, in college uh, or in corporate uh, to, to make sure that they support, you know, the, their fellow team members who are members of a diverse group? You know, first and foremost, conversation is key. And Adeline, you were so spot on with having a voice at the table and having that voice being heard so that there is clear representation. Uh, you know, as Joel was saying with regards to the culture, that conversation basically is the narrative of that company, right? Yeah. And that narrative becomes very significant in creating the culture and we have to take it beyond our door our every day and truly live it you know through controlling that narrative we will eventually get to a point where when you walk in as a representative of a minority group a woman uh different gender uh different gender identity 
my hope and most people's hope is that we will get to a point where you don't feel othered. You know, you're not the other individual in the room, but you're one of the company's assets and you're there for a reason. You're a working professional and you're bringing everything to bear to doing the most brilliant job you can and celebrating yourself, your knowledge and the culture within your company. At the end of the day, for any company who seriously invests in diversity and feels the strength and value of that, for me, it's a company that really wants to capitalize on its market share, really wants to capitalize on the human value within that, uh, within that company. Uh, so to say that you're a diverse company is to say that you're a company that believes in a holistic approach to growing itself from the inside. And, and that's the personal inside. And it's not a marketing statement, but it's a commitment to valuing people uh, first and foremost. Thank you. I so support both of your, um, this conversation is so rich and I do support both of your input. I also want to add, because Dim, you shared a strong point to white men on this podcast. I just want to make it clear that three years ago, I might have said it's white people, but now I must say that it's only some, because I have met some great white people that wants to promote diversity, that allow for me in the room to be recognized. They introduce me to people and I will shout out, like I have Joe I have Tim. Every time they see me, they're like, hey, I want you to meet this person. And it's actually sometimes a white person and they're ready to have conversations with me. So I must say from my personal experience, it's not all white people. As we have in our mindset, you know, of learning, it's not all. So there are some good people out here that wants to have these conversations, that wants to foster diversity, that want change, that want for us to break the barrier, bring more women into the AVIT industry. So I think we can do it, to be honest. It's just all about leaders. And like I shared in the conclusion of this article, reflect. See how many diverse women you have in your organization. Ask your questions of why, why not, how can we? And also take a step back and take those conversations to the table of, we want more women in this industry, maybe white, maybe BIPOC. How are we going to do it? How are we doing it? Are we doing it? Or are we just leaving the conversation in that room? Yeah. And, and I'd also like to add, we need to start that conversation early. Uh, we need to recruit at a early level of talking to our young girls and our young boys. And one of the things that I've said in women in leadership uh, meetings is that we must break the habit of telling women they can reach this, that height that men can reach because that starts with deficit in mind. And mm-hmm. difference does not mean deficit. It is perfectly normal to tell our little girls, our young women, that they can choose any career that they choose without feeling like we have to tell them, you can choose any career that a man chooses. So start with the notion of the capacity to do amazing things and not with the notion of contrasting. Right on, spot on, that's right. I love what you said, Liliana. This is where the Rosie Riveters comment comes in, that Erica supports, which to me it's, it's a passion project of hers and, and definitely of, of mine as well. But the ability to start, like you said, 
start young, start with these individuals while they're yep. small, where we have the opportunity to, to mold their minds and help them understand um, that there's a whole world out there, whether it be an AV, computers, whatever, but just in STEM in general. Uh, and, I, and I think it's a great organization that they're doing for the AV side, but yep. just Rosie Riveters as a whole, there's a whole other you know, portion of it that you guys may not even be aware of. And I will end with, with two things. First of all, Adeline, you're, you're, you are more kind than, than either me or Joe Way deserves. I didn't get, I didn't, I wasn't born like this, right? I was born in the 70s and, and with my own biases and my own, you know, proclivities. And, and it, it, I have learned over the last 20 and 30 years, right? I have made mistakes the last 20 and 30 years. Uh, what I would say is, is encourage people um, who are in a majority, right, to listen. Listen without agenda, listen without bias, as much as that's possible, because we all have biases and don't tell me you don't, because you do. I'm not yeah. saying there are extreme biases, but we all have biases. I'm a Bears fan for crying out loud, right? So I have biases. Um, <laughs> but listen, right? And, and, and hear the people that are around you that are on your team. Uh, the second thing I will say, and this is just more of a joke than anything, Dadgum Adeline, we spent an almost entire episode and didn't say Joe Way's name. <laughs> I had an almost entire episode without saying Joe Way's name. I have to give credit to him. He does a wonderful job of making my voice be lifted in rooms. I understand, <laughs> and I am just teasing. Uh, Joel Carroll, how do people connect with you or Mersive, and quite frankly, your wonderful wife and Rosie Riveters? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, as far as me, uh, the Joel Carroll, you can find me on LinkedIn or jcarroll at mersive.com. Uh, for Erica and Rosie Riveters, uh, you can actually get in touch with her as well at uh, Erica Carroll at uh, mersive.com as well. All right, very good. Mr. Franklin, always good to see you, sir. Um, how can people connect with you? Uh, the easiest way is via email, and that'll be franklindjservices at gmail.com. Right, very good. And Adeline, great to see you, ma'am. Uh, incredible article. Thank you so much for it. Uh, she's going to be writing another one here uh, about uh, Educause here uh, shortly. Uh, so how do we connect with you or USC? So before I give you my connection, I want to shout out all the veterans. Today is Veteran Day. By the time this recording hits, it'll be gone. But I wanted to shout them out and say thank you for the great job that you're doing or have done for this country. Um, for me, you can contact me on LinkedIn, Adeline Tatum or TatumA at USC.edu. All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on any of the socials, if you would, please. It, it's just not worth it. Go by the website, if you would, please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Uh, two other things. While you're there, you can sign up for our, our fancy uh, Monday morning newsletter. It gives you all the, the biggest stories of the week. You know, you'll get podcasts, stuff like that. Uh, but also, if you are uh, in higher education, you're a tech manager, you're an in-house integrator, go to LinkedIn and sign up for the Citizens of AV Nation uh, LinkedIn group. Uh, we're going to record an After AV Week program here in about two seconds. Uh, it'll be three or four minutes talking about continuing education. So go by the website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Hi, this is Jennifer Goodyear. And Erica Carroll. 
from the Women in AV podcast, where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts.